Welcome everyone to episode 16 of the Denver Crooks podcast. I'm your host, Jared Hazel, and today we are joined by returning guest, Dr. Emily Hartnett, renowned hand specialist of climbing injuries within the Denver area, as well as a new guest, dietitian Rose Hayek, who Emily had referenced, and I was very glad to have connected and shared some knowledge on the world of nutrition when it comes to climbers, athletes, and just living a healthy life. As a side note, I took on a little personal project, and if anyone is interested in continuing their climbing training, feel free to check out hmfanchors.etsy.com. That's HMF Anchors. If you're looking to try and build any type of anchors, practice your mountaineering skills, I created a training board that you can go ahead and do that at home safely before you get to the crag and make sure you got those skills down before the climb. So without any further ado, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Denver Crooks, a podcast dedicated to the Colorado climbing community and their passion for adventure and pushing the limits of the human spirit. Down going on? <laughs> All right. We are live. It's rolling. So we got Emily and Rose, a.k.a. the Dream Team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very cool. All right. So, guys, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. I'm extremely excited, of course, to have Hands by Heartnet back in action. All right. Always a pleasure. And new guest, Rose. Rose, uh, nobody on this podcast knows who you are yet. It's a mm-hmm. mystery. Um, you got to give us a little bit of an intro. Who are right. you? <laughs> yes, um, I'm Rose Hayek. I'm a dietitian. Um, been in Denver, came in 2020, left, and then came back because this is definitely my home now. It's the best place to be. Um, I do, as a dietitian, I do sports nutrition and eating disorders. A lot of the time they blend together, but also, you know, do them separately as well. Um, yeah, what else? What else should I say? Um, <laughs> let's see. This. <laughs> how, how do you know Dr. Emily Hartnett? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. We met. Is we- she a flag football partner of yours? <laughs> I am not. She's not. <laughs> you want to try flag football, though? You I can. <laughs> Yeah. We actually work in the same building, different offices, Mm -hmm. same building. Oh, very cool. Mm -hmm. I think we had a mutual patient or two. Yeah, we did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, able to share, consult a little bit, Uh I guess, not a ton. Yeah. Very nice. So you were just, you were just roaming around the halls. (laughs) You see, you see Rose and you're like, Hey, we both help people. (laughs) I wish that's how it happened. I think a mutual patient might've introduced us. I don't. Oh, okay. I think so, right? I can't remember. I, I I think you did you email our practice? I feel like you emailed our practice. Oh, maybe. And I wanted to talk about <laughs> oh, creativity and collagen. A lot of questions about collagen. Mm-hmm. Patients ask me a lot of questions about collagen, and I did not know the answer. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I was Googling people to consult with. And then when Rose came up with her address being the same as mine, I thought that made sense. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. <It> was <laughs> you put in, you put in the search, it shows your address and you're like, Oh, I guess <laughs> I'm supposed to be the expert. Yeah. Okay. It worked out. We were, um, we were just, uh, we were just chatting chatting about the beautiful art of uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu before you got on. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Rose apparently has this very strange desire to, um, to like, punch people in the face. It's a little <laughs> bit concerning. Um, yeah. I told her I just like the, uh, the BJJ aspect, not the MMA aspect. Okay. You know, it's nice, <laughs> it's nice being able to go home every day in one piece. Yeah. But, um, so she's a little bit violent. Emily. I'm, I'm concerned. No, I didn't pick that up the other time that we have met. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a trained observer. So <laughs> retired violent. I, I used to do competitive boxing, but no more. Oh, wow. So I'm pretty Zen now just to throw that out there for everybody to know, not a violent person anymore. <laughs> Very cool. Um, and, um, and yeah, so just as a recap, um, we have uh, Dr. Emily Hartnett, who is a absolute badass hand specialist, <laughs> still focusing on the climbers of Denver, hand injuries, yeah. I take it? Uh-huh. Yep. Shoulder to fingers. Mostly climbers. Yeah, like probably 80% climbers. Shoulder to fingers. I like that. <laughs> Good reference point. Very nice. Um, Emily, I have some... I have some bad news. Um, I I realized about probably a week ago that I'm 90% sure that I have a pulley injury. Ooh, you have to come in. That's my, I'm, my specialty. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, I'm so, uh, I feel like a little bit like embarrassed and disappointed in myself because I remember thinking like, man, you know, I've gone, I've had such a long career, like powerlifting and and climbing you know and I never had one and then like I'm serious it was like two weeks ago I realized I had this like nagging thing in my finger this dull constant pain and I'm like man what what's going on did I like jam it but then again like days went by and weeks went by and I finally realized no this must be this is a pulley injury. Have you been doing you know? the stretches that we talked about last time? Um, I'm embarrassed to say no, because I think my I think my ego got in the way. Like, I hate to say that, but I think my ego got in the way. That mindset of it's never happened to me before. Right. I'm, in, I'm immune to it, you know? And um, usually before climbing, like, you will pop in my head beforehand, and I'll do this. I'll be like... Here we go. And like, that's, that's like my stretch. I'm ready to go. But no, I, I did not heed your lesson and uh, I have a pulley injury now. Oh, what's the one called? That's like very low scale minor. Uh, probably a grade one or two pulley injury. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's so, I know it's there. Like I know it's there, but I'm not like in agonizing pain. You should come in. You know? We'll make you a ring. We'll laser it. It'll be a good time. Oh. I, it'll be a good time. I like how that's Emily's idea of fun. <laughs> I like it. No, that, that's why Emily's awesome. She is passionate about her work. No, I, I seriously do actually have to come in, you know, and like not on like a friendly visit now. I wanted to come in and just like high five you and be like, oh, Emily, this is your place. Awesome. But now I need to come in as a patient. <laughs> I'm excited. 
All right. Um, all right. So, um, so let's see. I've got some. I've got some things that I wanna. Some things. Some talking points that I wanna hit. Um, please feel free to, you know, interrupt me anytime, and you know, we'll we'll kind of go off on whatever, whatever uh, topics we get off on. But let me see. Uh, for Rose, um, so just on the world of so to clarify, you're a nutritionist or a dietitian. Dietitian. Yeah. I'm glad you clarified. Yeah. Clarified. Yeah. Um, So there is a difference. Can you explain that difference real quick? Yeah. So I can, you know, obviously speak to the dietitian piece. So to be a registered dietitian, um, you have to, you know, before 2024, right? So it's about to change. You just have to get your bachelor's at least and then do I think it was 1,200 hours of supervised um, clinical food service specialty kind of rotation. So it's a very involved, you know, you take your four years of, of class, a lot of OCHEM, which was not my specialty, some physiology, all this stuff, right, to become the registered dietitian. And every five years, we have to keep up with uh, 75 continuing education units. So we're lucky we get to specialize kind of in what we want and, and make those kind of tailored to what we do. But um, yeah, 75 every five years. And I am usually behind on that. I will be honest with you. Um, nutritionist, I, I'm actually not a hundred percent sure their credentials, um, or kind of that process. I think pretty much you just take some nutrition classes if, if you want to. Um, it's usually, a just, I don't even know if you have to take a test or not. So that's sometimes, you know, people who, have multiple kind of um, jobs, right? They might be a trainer and have a nutrition certification or something like that. So a little bit of a difference. Um, come 2024, all new dietitians will also have their master's. So even more um, education there too. And we get to specialize. So I, I want to work on um, becoming like the certified sports dietitian. So that's going to be a lot of hours that I'll have to get under my belt and pass a pretty hard exam there. Um, but yeah, we get to kind of add some of those pieces to our title as well when we get there. So what do you usually, when you're working next to Hands by HeartNet, <laughs> what are you usually doing on a daily basis on the other side of the walls with your patients? Yeah. So I, I usually do more like counseling kind of, and then again, whatever their needs are. So we meet for 50, 55 minutes, just really talking through, again, whatever it is that they need. So when it's a sports nutrition piece, we might be talking about nutrient timing, how their body's feeling during the activity, before the activity, and then really outside of it too. People don't always realize the dips in energy or dips in focus in the day can be because they don't have enough nutrition. So I really try to dig deep and and help them, you know, kind of see maybe where we need to add more or or different things. Um, I'll kind of add to, I I do a lot of eating disorder work. So that can be a little bit more of the therapeutic stuff. So those 55 minutes might look a little bit different than just pure sports nutrition. Um, Again, more talking through why the eating disorder is there. How do we kind of get past it? It's not as simple as let's try this at this, you know, this point in time during your activity. Um, But then a blend of both when it's an athlete with an eating disorder, which is my specialty. I love those. That's kind of interesting that you mentioned mm-hmm. um, like dips in the day. So yeah. are there's a lot of situations where people are cognizant that something's wrong or they shouldn't be feeling this tired. And so they're able to kind of piece together at least that it's due to their nutrition. 
Usually no. So I, I think that's kind of the piece. That's where I try try to poke a little bit once I'm meeting with someone and, and ask those probing questions. Like, do you notice uh, I'll make up a random time, maybe like around three, right? I think we all sometimes get tired around 3 p.m. You know, like, are you getting tired? Are you noticing you kind of want to take a nap or you can't focus on your work or schoolwork or whatever it may be? And so once we kind of probe a little bit and then we try some nutrition pieces, they're able to pinpoint it on their own a little bit later. But I think we're so used to just getting by in our day, right, with those moments of higher energy and lower energy. We don't necessarily notice them until it's brought to our attention and when we kind of have something different happening. So sometimes people are super aware, but a lot of the times it's those questions and then they can kind of see it for themselves, which I like. So so some people have kind of accepted it as like a norm, like, hey, I'm low energy. This is just how life is for me. Yeah. Oh, well, you mm-hmm. know, and kind of accepted that. Okay. Yeah. I think we have such busy days, right? I think here in in America, especially, we're just kind of go, 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 right? Between work and activities and social pieces that, you know, I think it's just the norm to feel a little bit fatigued. Um, Can't change the tiredness, right? Maybe being overworked or something, but we can change some of the energy that you have for those activities. Okay. Yeah. And, And now, Emily, you had mentioned that client asked you about some collagen, where is where does that tie into like why did they even does that have to do with your work i don't know like why did they feel like asking you or does collagen play a role in your work i think the conversation started with preventing pulley injuries he was a pulley patient and i made him a ring but he was asking how to prevent the injury from occurring in other fingers we were talking a lot about stretching um like we talked about in the podcast i did with you last time um and then he asked me if consuming collagen would help him prevent further pulley injury and pulley is a ligament. So I told him like maybe probably, but I didn't actually know. Um, and when I started looking it up, all of the research was a little bit mixed. I couldn't get like a concrete answer, um, which is why I wanted to consult with someone like Rose who would actually know the answer. <laughs> Interesting. And Rose, do you, uh, do you know stuff about collagen? I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about collagen. I mean, I've heard, I've heard the word. The only thing I, you know, like a, I feel like a layman has a reference to collagen is like the good stuff in your nails, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely the nails. Yeah, coll- collagen is one of those mixed ones, right? So it's it's basically the amino acids, right? And, and it's in our bones, ligaments tendon, right? Emily, you tell me if I'm saying something that's inaccurate there. That feels like you're wrong. Um, Yeah. 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 But, you know, I think a lot of the times these supplements and stuff can become like popular, right? A a little bit mainstream. And so everybody can hear that word and be like, oh yeah, I have to get collagen like in my diet or take these $60 supplements of collagen. Um, All it is, is just, again, like certain amino acids, right, that they're getting from those animals, right? It has to come from animals and, you know, then you're eating it. But the thing with it is that we're still um, digesting it. So everything's getting broken down into those amino acids. So just because you eat the collagen doesn't mean that it's going to go to collagen in your body if your body needs those amino acids somewhere else. Um, So it's not bad and and it can help, right, If, if you notice that you're not you know, keeping up, like your nails are getting flimsy or things are kind of breaking down. Um, it's not going to be magic though, right? Um, I mean, this yeah. is a climbing podcast. I think everyone's noticing their nails getting uh, <laughs> That's pretty, true. pretty torn up and flimsy. Pretty gross. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. 
so what do you usually what do you usually tell people i mean in terms of how does one take in collagen are there natural ways to take it in or do we have to do some form of actual supplementation well, that's a good question, actually. I'm not quite sure about that. Yeah, yeah, you might stump me there. A lot of the times people are taking it, though, as, as a supplement. I mean, that's where you're going to get a lot in, you know, a little bit, right, like a pill or um, just a powder or something. So usually that's how we get it. Yeah, you're stumping me there. I don't know why I don't know that answer. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure. But, again, a lot of the times you're going to get everything that you need through the other proteins that you're consuming. So you don't need it to build the collagen. So, so, so just to clarify, you said amino acids, which are the building blocks of protein. Yes. Those, that process in and of itself is mm-hmm. also creating a byproduct being collagen mm-hmm. within our bodies. Yeah. So, so generally speaking, if we're getting ample amounts of protein slash BCAAs, we probably have adequate collagen within our body. Yeah. 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 Usually, usually you're going to be fine, right? If, if other things are happening that you're noticing that you're not right, then we, I would look at just the whole diet right, with somebody and not just supplement with the collagen. Again, it's not, it's not bad though, right? It it can still help. Um, it's just protein essentially just more of those amino acids. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think everyone wants those, uh, I don't have uh, shiny nails, but um, I feel like uh, my hair is uh, silky smooth, you know, <laughs> and uh, maybe that's a good sign of collagen too, hair, I guess. <laughs> skin? Does, does that collagen help with skin? I think so. I don't know. I'm looking at Emily. It does, yeah. I th- I've been told that it does. I don't, I don't yeah. know very much either. <laughs> In my research, when I was looking it up to see if it could prevent ligament injuries, there's a lot out there on it having the ability to help increase grip strength, but I couldn't mm. find much factual information besides kind of like narratives, like personal narratives. I don't know if you know anything about that, Rose. I don't know. I haven't heard that. I, I think that's the hard part with such specialized things like that, yeah. right? Like grip it's strength like is so specific. Media, like he said, she said rumor kind of thing, it feels like. Right. A couple times. <laughs> yeah, I'd be interested. I wish we had the funding to just do all of this stuff, right? All the research for these things versus just one account from somebody. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, you should send me those. I'll send them those you. TikToks or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Now, some some time has passed, Emily, since I've talked to you last. Um, and, you know, I know the world of science moves pretty quickly. Um, and just kind of maybe as a recap or even a maybe a personal research update, what are some of the best ways to, to prevent these injuries? Like when your client asks you, how can I prevent this from happening to other fingers? What are some ways to prevent it from happening in the future? What are some of the best possible practices? My top two answers are definitely stretching. Um, and then the other one is kind of knowing when to stop or at least take a break, um, which the easiest way to do that is normally our hook fist should close, which I'm, I'm showing you on a Zoom. I know podcast listeners can't see that. The hook fist being like a cat claw, yeah. or if you would Google intrinsic yeah. minus, that's what we call it anatomically. Um, that'll come up on Google. We should be able to touch the pads of our fingers to the base of our fingers. Um, after if, when you're pumped and it feels kind of hard to supinate or turn your palm up, um, next time you're pumped, also try and close your hook fist. You probably won't be able to. When we're at that point, that's a good time to stop because that's when our pulleys are being a little bit exasperated. Um, so when I'm climbing personally, when I have that happen, I stretch my intrinsics. Um, 
and then as long as I can actively touch again, I continue climbing. It's rare that I can't touch again after I stretch, but it's because my job is to stretch. That's what I do most of the day. Um, <laughs> I have friends that when they can't touch, they'll stop for the day kind of thing. Um, so definitely knowing when to stop. And the intrinsic stretch is going to help us a lot because it's going to help differentiate that FDP, which is our long flexor, and our lumbricle, which is our smaller um, muscle in our hand, kind of differentiate their jobs, which is what's causing a pull or force or tension on the pulley. So when you so when you're when you're starting to feel that pump, you can go ahead and you can squeeze a little bit more juice out of yourself every time if you just get that extra stretch. Stretch in one hand, stretch in the other. You've got a little bit more. If you feel the pump again, you can, again, kind of do this exercise to, or this stretch, I should say, to go ahead and keep getting a little bit more every time. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. This is good. And when it comes to, when it comes to like, let's say frequency specifically climbing, um, do you feel like that's, do you feel like reducing your overall frequency, taking in more rest. Do you think that is or should be a good practice of climbers to go ahead and reduce injuries or kind of, do you think when you sleep a few hours, the whole clock resets and you can just go at it hard seven days a week? Um, I think it depends a little bit on the person. There's a theory called low load, long duration that I really like. Um, That means climbing like frequency wise, like for longer hours, but less hard. And that's going to help us kind of gain our endurance muscles and kind of move up in grades over time instead of starting lower and expediting pretty fast. Most of the traumatic injuries that I see in my clinic are people that just learned how to climb and are all of a sudden climbing V6s because they're strong and muscly and they can, or people that took two, three weeks off of climbing and then went back to what they were climbing before without kind of easing back in. That's what I see a lot. And that kind of speaks to low load, long duration theory. Do you think that those newer people are, even though they're strong enough to go ahead and do those climbs, do you think that a lot of them are over gripping and over utilizing their strength where technique could really create a lot more longevity for them? Definitely. Yes. Yeah, for sure. That's interesting. I've got a lot of, you know, my, uh, my climbing, like, I feel like I go through these phases with climbing and I'm not sure if, if you guys do the same thing, but like, um, there was like two years ago I was really doing, I was really in like just hard core, like difficult climbing, you know, like really kind of pushing grades and last season. And especially this season, I'm almost like all like trad multi-pitch adventure at this point. Like that's, and like, when I say like chill adventure, I'm, I'm talking about like, I have no shame going, going on a nice long all day, five, 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 six, you know, I'm just putting, putting some gear in, you know, no real extreme difficulty on the hands, but I like to travel and it's so easy on the body. Definitely. I'm with you. I definitely prefer like the easy, pretty multi pitches. <laughs> yeah. Rose, I know you mentioned, we were talking a little bit before the podcast started. Um, I know you mentioned, I think you do mostly gym. Yeah, right or, now. Or do you have a kind of a, a ratio that you do in terms of the type of climbing that you like? I usually just do gym. Yeah, a mix of just like ropes and then bouldering. Um, I need to get outside more and, and do it. I, I think I, I feel like I need a good crew of people to do it with. A lot of my friends just like to meet up at the gym and climb. Um, 
there, make it really social and, and nice, which is, I, I see it as a good outlet after work, especially. And do you think that you prefer the gym because you're able to kind of push like the grades so hard in the gym in that environment? Like, is that what you like about it or? I do. I, yeah, I do think that it is. It's, it's fun to, especially with some of my climbing buddies, we kind of push each other like that. So it's easy to kind of get a little bit of time in, right? Again, after work, when we're, you know, already had a long day, push it and then kind of go home, chill, go to bed, all this okay. stuff. Yeah. Nice. yeah but these adventures sound pretty fun. So yeah, I've got, you know, I feel like it's a very polarizing thing. Cause I've got, mm-hmm. a, I've got a few buddies, um, and friends that, uh, some of them are all about it and they'll gladly join me on a nice long adventure day. And some of them are like, bro, five, six. No, I want to push the body. Like, no, I'm not going to go on that. I'm like, Hey, all right, I get it. Teach their own, you know? Um, all right. What I wanted to get to, uh, let me see. My next thing I want to ask you is overall, again, um, I think there's a lot of things about nutrition that a lot of people kind of don't, think about and don't know, it might not even be a thought, but in general, what should a climber slash an athlete be eating versus your regular, just everyday person, non-athlete? What is the difference? What are you recommending to your clients when it comes to what they should be eating, living in an active lifestyle? Yeah. Yeah, that is a good question because I think, you know, especially nowadays, like we talked about earlier, actually, right, there's so much information out there, right? We can get lost in all the information on any in any capacity. Um, my biggest thing that I tell athletes that I work with is like, we just, I just want to make sure that they're eating enough food, right? That's the thing is like, we see the injuries pop up when they're not eating enough, right? Whether that's bone injury, whether that's muscle injury, all of that stuff, right? I so, mean, I mean, I think that's a great point right there. Mm-hmm. Do you... Is that what you both are seeing? Like, you know, because you guys have these clients. I didn't, I, I didn't realize that that was a, a thing, not eating enough equaling more injury. I think I see a lot of fads. Like it, it really, mm-hmm. it changes every three-ish months. Like collagen was really in um, this summer. Yeah. I feel like um, over the spring, I felt like a lot of people were under eating or saying they were doing, is it called intermittent fasting, I think? Yeah. Um, which was like mm-hmm. they would they would only eat for certain hours. I'm not entirely sure what it is, um, but a lot. And then I get a lot of questions towards me asking if I think it's healthy and appropriate, um, like grip strengthening wise, injury prevention wise. And I assume that not eating is not healthy, um, but I don't know like the real answer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see that so much. Right. And, and again, I'm, I'm working with people from different areas, right. Throughout the day, throughout the same day, but yeah, it, for the work that I do. Yeah. When people aren't eating enough, that's, I see a lot of stress fractures and that's depending on the type of sport that they're doing. I don't know how common that is with like climbers. Right. But a lot of those high impact sports, you're going to see so many stress fractures because bone density. I mean, we have to eat to keep up with that, but Yeah, not eating enough. I mean, aside from bone injuries, you're not going to recover as quickly as you could, right? So then, of course, you're going to maybe be a little bit lazier in your skills, right? You know, kind of put stress on things that shouldn't have stress on them. Then you're going to get an overuse injury. Um, Or, you know, I I see a lot of people, too, throughout their season, right? If if they're competing, right, through whatever kind of time frame, they can start off really strong and then not be able to carry it all all the way because you're just depleting your body. It has to rebuild, Um, 
I think another piece with not eating enough aside from the injuries and, and just the poor recovery is that you can't hit like your max in anything because your body just doesn't have the capacity to go as long or, or as hard as it can, right? And that's when, when we grow. So you got to, if you're going to break down your body, you have to feed your body. Um, if you want to build, right, you got to feed it more maybe than you would expect. Um, and athletes just need a lot of food. Uh, speaking of eating a lot of food, like we have, we have a lot of, a lot of jokes, like in, in my work and stuff. And, you know, I come from the old school, like starting in the bodybuilding community and then into the powerlifting community. And, you know, one of the things that we joke about is like, got to get that protein, protein, more protein, right? What is, do you have any type of recommendations when it comes to when you're setting up these diets and stuff. And I'm sure people probably bring up, Hey Rose, I'm supposed to eat a lot of protein, right? Cause protein's the stuff that builds muscle. And, um, do you get a lot of that? And what are your recommendations for how much protein should we have as individuals? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a loaded question, right? Because everybody is just so different, right? It, whether you're not very active, moderately active, super active, right? Depending on what activity you're doing, right? Your needs are going to be so different. So I don't have like a quick and easy answer, but I did write them down on the side because I figured that this question was going to come. So Protein. I can share it. Yeah, kind of what, what I have. Um, I'll preface it by saying though, again, right? Like, a lot of sports nutrition is, is super helpful, right, of, of course, right, to really elevate your performance and whatever you're doing. But we don't have to be so nitpicky, right, about what we're eating and measuring it and, and all that stuff, right? So general rule of thumb, I just want people to get a good chunk of protein in breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then in their snacks throughout the day, right? It's I'm not usually telling people, okay, we're going to measure this much and this much, and you got to, you know, measure it out with the measuring cups or weigh it or anything like that. Um, I think maybe though you'll see that more with, right, like weightlifting, powerlifting, um, sports like that, right, where, where things do maybe have to be a little bit more fine-tuned. Um, climbers, I don't think I would recommend, you know, anybody – be that specific but yeah what I did write down so I'll share share with you here um is where did I put this one second um for very active individuals right we can do with with resistance right so like building you know powerlifting climbing probably can it depends right on I think the type of climbing you can get up to like two grams per kilogram a day right so per kilogram of body weight Higher endurance people, you might want to get a little bit more, like 2.1 grams per kilogram. Um, the bottom recommendation, though, just for the average person is like 0.8 grams per kilogram, right? So all of that, like I need a ton of protein. We don't really need that much. Um, let me see. I got to do a quick uh, <laughs> conversion for myself. My, yeah, there you go. <laughs> my, let me see. So I weigh 160 pounds. Um, all right. So. I weigh 72 kilograms. So you said 0.8. For just, but not for you. You're, you're active, pretty active. Oh, oh, okay. So, so that, so that was for regular non-active person. Yeah. More for regular, like you're not doing a ton of activity, right? That's, um, yeah, not, not as much kind of activity there. That's probably like the lower end that you want to get day to day minimum. Yeah. 
So anywhere between 0.8 to like two, right? And that's again, okay. two, two, 2.1 is like a very active, high, highly active that, individual. That's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. like kind of thinking like for the non-active person, mm-hmm. 0.8, like, so if like, let's say me at 160 pounds, 72 mm-hmm. kilograms, 0.8 is less than 72 grams. I mean, I don't know what it is exactly. I haven't done the math, but less than 72 grams. My, so I have this protein shake that I do in the morning. It's called the Hazelicious. Yeah. Yeah. It has a ring to it, right? And um, so the Hazelicious is 1100 calories and, Mm. and it is 65 grams of protein alone. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, I'm like, man, just that protein shake in the morning is what some people could just finish with. And they're yeah. done for the day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think I think too, right? I mean, yeah, that that's a. Uh, what do you? I'm curious. What do you put in that smoothie? Actually. Oh, all right. Here we hear. go. Let's hear here, it. Here yeah. we go. It's gonna get, get serious. There? Yeah. How did we get there? <laughs> all right. So um, we've got um, we've got our protein. So I use I use BSN protein. I like BSN. Um, so I use three scoops of the the BSN. Um, two bananas, uh, six tablespoons of peanut butter, um, a scoop of gelato, and then I fill it with almond milk. Okay. Nice. Cho- chocolate almond milk to be specific. <laughs> and then, ju- and then just a dash of blueberries. Mm. Wait, what flavor of gelato? Chocolate? Uh, uh, actually, um, caramel crunch. Ooh. Okay. Caramel crunch. Yeah. Okay. Talenti is the brand. Nice. Talenti yes. is pretty good. That's yes. a good brand. I do do love me some Talenti. That sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah. yeah. Wait, a lot of flavors. Wait, wait. Should, should we like all like take a gelato break right now? <laughs> I wish I had some gelato. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, um, and you know what? I forgot if you, I, I might have missed it. Point A kind of for the regular person. What should, what should like extreme athletes do like people let's say people who are climbing or doing any other sport on the reg on a daily Mm -hmm. basis where are they at yeah that's why you know i think somewhere probably right like i'm trying to kind of ballpark the lower ends right the higher end two to 2.1 right for very active very active people um that might be more of like college professional athletes up there um Mm -hmm. again give or take some people might need a little bit more too um what would I put as that lower end? 1.2 to 1.5 maybe, right? For someone who's pretty active still, you know, and doing a lot of things that are going to break down their muscle. Um, If someone fact checks me and that's not super correct for that lower end, please let me know here. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, Have you, have you grilled Emily about her protein stats or her calorie stats in general do you know yeah. where you're at Emily? i have no, i was just trying to do the math in my head i have no idea where i'm at <laughs> i think it varies on the day a little bit okay yeah. but now do you you know speaking of that like i'm sure that's probably the response of most of your clients do you do you give them you know do you want them to log things or do you just tell them Hey, I want you to start eating protein and X, Y, and Z, and I want you to just feel good. Do mm-hmm. you kind of just go off a of feeling? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's the piece, you know, I was kind of trying to bring up earlier, right? Is like you, I mean, none of these calculations are, are super, super necessary. Some people like it, right? And, and I think that's 
totally fine. But I'm more going off of like, how are people feeling? Are they having the energy that they need? Are they recovering well, right? After activity, um, that's what's going to matter, right? Because yeah, I think Emily's response of like, I don't really know, right? Is, is very accurate. And it should change day to day, right? Because we're not eating the same thing every day. Um, unless you have the hazel hazelicious smoothie, right? Then maybe you know exactly what you're getting. But yeah, usually, I mean, even if you're eating chicken versus tofu versus steak, right? You know, you're going to get different protein amounts day to day. So don't focus too much on it. Just make sure we're getting it. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Emily had actually mentioned, um, she mentioned the intermittent fasting thing. I know there's, I, I have a, I have a few friends that are actually on that. Um, overall, I mean, I know there's a, a lot of stuff behind it, a lot of research. Do you, do you recommend that to your uh, clients or? I don't. Um, so I, I'm going to preface, I'm a very strong non-diet dietitian, right? So I think that's that piece of like, there's so many fad diets, like Emily said earlier, they're going to change every three months, every year, wh- whatever it may be. Um, again, I'm very big on how do you feel? How does your body feel? I'm not a big fan of fasting. It can kind of put our body into a state of feeling like it's deprived. And, and again, I think this is different person to person, but it can put it in that state. And that's somewhere that we don't want to be. There's so many poor health outcomes that come from there. So I would never recommend that. Um People who hear this who do recommend it might come after me for that. So I think it's just dependent on the dietitian. And that's why there's so many of us, right? You get to kind of pick and choose who is the best fit based on what someone's goals are. So, yeah. No, it sounds like you're taking a very practical approach to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because I know, know, um, you know, people can, when they're carb depleted, especially, you know, they get uh, pretty grouchy, Mm -hmm. you know. That hanger is real. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, the hanger. <laughs> hanger. <laughs> Hangry. <laughs> um, let me see. One of my questions. Oh, um, so this is for both of you. Um, so when it comes to whether it's overall – oh, my dog is such a whiny baby. Aww. He's being a baby. You're all hangry. He's angry. Yeah. He probably is angry. You know, I specifically, like I said, I'm working on tactics to keep him content during the podcast. And I gave him a delicious piece of Applewood smoked bacon before this. <laughs> and um, apparently he is not satisfied. Um, but uh, all right. So on the side of overall nutrition and also in reference to, I guess, joint ligament bone health overall should we eat for more muscle gain i mean specifically an athlete you know should we eat for more muscle gain is that going to make the athlete better and also is it going to prevent ligament bone joint injuries Um, my, again, I'm factually, I'm not positive. Um, what I have been seeing is my patients who do do a lot of the more fad diets. They are like Rose said, like hungry essentially. Um, and maybe they don't have the proper routine and nutrition. And that's when we're, those repetitive strain issues are becoming more traumatic. Like instead of just straining a pulley, they're popping their pulleys. Um, same with elbow issues. And it's cause they're trying, they're used to being able to power through in my opinion, um, like muscle through things, but all of a sudden they don't have the energy and they're trying to do it anyway. 
um, is what kind of my hypothesis is. I'm not sure how accurate that is, um, but it seems to be kind of like the trend I'm seeing with the repetitive injuries becoming more traumatic. That's interesting. So they'll have the less traumatic injuries first and then they'll kind of follow. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And it that seems to be somewhat di- – I, I do ask them what their diet is, uh, mostly because I'm mm-hmm. curious. Um, I don't have a ton of feedback for them, um, which is where you come in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of how you phrase the question, right? So you phrase it in the sense of, like, does more muscle growth help, right, like the athletes say? Yeah. I mean, is it inherently beneficial? Should every – athlete, you know, especially climbers and anyone who uses strength in general, should they always be gaining, should they always be aiming to gain more muscle? Is that what you're telling your clients? Like, Hey, you should gain more muscle. Or do you tell some people, Hey, maybe you're good. Your muscles adequate. Stay right there. How do those conversations go? I think on my end, the biggest piece is just to keep people healthy and in their sport. And and my my motto kind of is is like the more you're able to do your sport and the training that goes with it, whether that's the actual activity, more skill based things, or the outside stuff like the strength and conditioning outside of the actual thing that you're doing, you're going to get better at your sport, right? Your body is going to build the muscle and build the you know skill set mobility in the way that it should, right? Because you're able to train, you're able to stay in it longer. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, again, there's very specific sports, right? Or activities where people do want to gain a lot of muscle and stuff. But I think for like longevity of an athlete, especially one that's going to kind of hone in on one type of activity, I see it as like, let's keep you healthy and, and thriving, actually not just healthy, right? At a baseline so that you can keep doing it and, and keep growing in the sport. So, I see it less as like the muscle mass gain, right? As much as like, we want to keep you there so you can get better and your body is going to gain the muscle where it's meant to, right? So I also always tell people like a climber might, you know, a climber is going to have different muscle composition than a swimmer or a basketball player or a football player or a runner because you should, right? And, and your body should have a whole different muscle in different places for that, Um Again, though, genetics play a big role, right? So where people are able to grow muscle and hold muscle and how much is going to be dependent on genetics a little bit as well. And that sounds like a really good metric for um, kind of a good metric of success. Um, And especially how I see things too is I'm all about being able to do the thing that you like for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so I guess if people are doing it and, you know, into their, you know, their 40s, their 50s, their 80s, you know, if you're able to find something early on without breaking your body, mm-hmm. you know, then, you know, that sounds like you have won the game, yeah. you know, you know, and, and that goes for eating well. And I think that goes for, for getting, you know, for getting your, your checkups, you know, when it comes to like an injury, not letting an injury linger and everything, but probably, you know, Emily, you can, you know, corroborate this, but probably the people that address the situations faster and they heal faster, they're able to, they set themselves up for success in the long run. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. So what is, what is next for, for Rose, what do you have uh, going on with whether your company, your life, your uh, 
your kind of your your personal endeavors in what you do? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, <laughs> I think, you know, I'm going to make it to finally being here another year in Denver, right? So I was here for a year, left, went to Washington, beautiful state, not my place. So here for another year. So we're going to make it to two years straight through in Denver and um, hopefully kind of continue there. Um yeah. Otherwise, I mean, work is going to be work for now. I'm, I'm at a company, a private practice. We'll, we'll stay there, right? Kind of see how that continues to feel and, and always kind of assess how I'm feeling in whatever work-based environment that I'm in. Um, Sports-wise, going to finish two flag football seasons here in the fall. Hopefully win some. We'll see. Um, we're, not, we're doing pretty good. Both teams are doing pretty good. And then continue to climb and hopefully just enjoy the fall. I This is my favorite time of the year. This is ideal mm-hmm. climbing season. I yeah. mean, trad, <laughs> trad adventure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Emily, what what about you? I know um, I know you have been – I've been uh, – I've been watching you um, from, uh, you know, from, from your uh, media standpoint and looks like you've been uh, doing, doing a bunch of, um, a bunch of events and stuff over at the climbing gyms. I know last time we spoke, uh, you held a um, kind of a, a seminar type deal over in Boulder, I believe it was. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so are you still, are you still putting those on pretty, uh, pretty frequently throughout the Denver metro area? Yeah. Um, I try to do them as frequently as I can. I'll be at Denver Boulder Club North on the 16th, I think, for their BIPOC uh, climbing competition. Um, in addition to that, I've been doing a little bit more writing. Um, so my play ring is being published in the Journal of Hand Therapy and then in Climbing Magazine in the next couple months, which will be fun. Good. Very nice. Because I know we were so up in the air about that. Like, you know, you had this awesome invention, you know, that just seems a bit so revolutionary. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but it's great to hear that there's finally confirmation on it. So, it's getting published where again? Um, the Journal of Hand Therapy. So that's like the more medical version. Um, it'll teach other therapists to recreate the ring in their own clinic, essentially. The other one, I edited it essentially for Climbing Magazine. And that's more talking about the benefits and why climbers should use it. So it's talking about the same subject, just different audiences. Very nice. And so, and that's that's Climbing the Magazine? Yep. Mm-hmm. And what issue is your article going to be? Great question. Um <laughs> Oh, it's just pending right now? Yeah, so I actually just submitted it to her this morning, and she was going to read it over okay. um, Delaney, the senior editor, and then get back to me, I believe. That is awesome. Yeah. That's a big deal. That's exciting, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, we kind of spoke about it last time, but man, that is, it's so cool that you have such a revolutionary um, fix to the pulley aspect of things, you know, because pulley injuries... Um, Believe it or not, uh, it can affect us all. <laughs> and th- that is awesome. Um, Rose, where can uh, where can uh, people reach you? Um, because I take it you are currently take. I mean, are you taking new clients? Um, yeah. Where where can people get a hold of you and kind of ask you questions or reach out to you for consultations? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm glad you asked. Um, I am. I'm I'm always always taking on new clients. It might take a little bit to get in with me depending on the season and and how full things are, but I love hearing from people and always want to help. So always reach out, never hesitate. Um, 
I have two emails. You, there's my direct work email, which is rose at nourishedcolorado.com. And then there's my personal email and, and people are more than welcome to reach out to either one. And that's hayek.rosemary at gmail.com. So. And that's H-Y-A-K yes. dot rosemary at gmail. Yes. Yes. I know people get the last name wrong often. <laughs> so not spelled like Salma Hayek, um, unfortunately. Yeah. That's cool. And and you said mostly you're leaning or you're specializing and you have a great passion mostly for eating disorder clients these days. Eating disorder in sports. Um, that's that's my bread and butter is um, individuals that fit into both. Um, I really love doing just general sports nutrition as well because I, I love seeing people succeed in whatever kind of activity they want to do. So there's a part that I can help. Um, I love being on their team in that way. That's interesting. It seems like, I mean, I don't know anything about the topic, but mm -hmm. it really seems like that's something that is, um, I feel like a big mix of both um, dietitian skills, but also probably psychology skills, mm -hmm. being yeah. able to work people through that issue. Mm -hmm. A lot of therapeutic skills. Yeah. That I am continuing to learn each and every, each and every day. I feel like I, I work with a lot of uh, sports med doctors or general doctors and therapists too. So we all usually are on a team together helping an individual, which is really nice. Oh, so, oh, so an actual, a whole team is working with this person. It's not like so they go to you for this and then this other person for that mm -hmm. okay. yeah when it's when it's eating disorders it will have a full team at least dietitian therapist and doctor um when it's an athlete with an eating disorder we'll include the coach athletic trainer pt you know anybody else who, who might be involved so interesting got a lot of us yeah <laughs> And Emily, as a recap, where can people get a hold of you? Um, Instagram or email seems to be the easiest one. Um, both of the screen names are Hans Hartnett, Hans with an S. My last name is H-A-R-T-N-E-T-T -T, at gmail.com or just Instagram. Awesome. And you said your Instagram was Hans, Hans by Hartnett. Hans Hartnett, yeah. Hans Hartnett, yeah. as I was. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, we, we covered some, some great stuff today. I, I mean, I know a lot of this stuff is... Uh, there's so many we can get, or you guys can get really deep into the weeds with me about it. Um, there's, um, it's just big, big topics. Um, is there anything, is there, is there anything that uh, we didn't talk about today that, that you guys want to, that you guys want to uh, bring up um, any important topics you feel that, that people should know? Good question. I don't know. I think my biggest ones were the intermittent fasting and the collagen, which we definitely covered. I don't know if Rose had any other. Mm. Well, maybe, maybe a general statement. Um, we did talk about protein a lot, right? But all the protein are helpful, right? So don't forget about carbs or fat, right? So that's the, the carbs, the fat, that's what's giving us the energy when we're doing our activities. So we need a lot of carbs in our diet. So don't forget that piece. They get so overshadowed. So if we're just eating the protein, people are most likely their energy levels are going to go down. And that's such a, I feel like that's such a stigma, right? I think fat has gotten that stigma somehow over the years, like fat is bad, avoid mm -hmm. fat at all costs, but that's not the case. Yeah, no, it's so good. It, especially, you know, y'all were talking about the 
easier, longer kind of like training sessions. That's probably using our fat, you know, to, to power that. Um, carbs are going to be our quicker, intense exercises that we're doing. Um, so high intensity. And then sometimes like that first period of like one to two hours are going to be more carb based. But if you're out there for a long time, you're going to start burning other sources of fuel as well. So they're both important. I think, uh, I think probably a common kind of question that someone might have listening to this is because fat's gotten such a bad stigma over the years. And, you know, I think a lot of people are psychologically, it's hard to eat fat. What would you recommend as maybe your top one or two fats to consume that people can consume and not have to worry about it being just garbage going into them? What are some really good fats for athletes that we know will be a true fuel for, for us. Yeah. Again, I'll preface as a non-diet dietitian, I don't support any foods being bad foods. Um, I think they're all great, right? Our body's going to use anything that we put in it, right? So it's it. Once things are in our body and start getting digested, it doesn't care where it comes from, right? It's going to take every single part and put it wherever our body needs it. Um, so I say any any kind of fat that you want to get in. I, I think nut butters are easy, right? Because you can put them on anything. You put you're putting what six tablespoons of peanut butter in your smoothie, right? So those are pretty easy and, and good to have. Um, any yeah, anything that you feel like you can eat enough of, right? That can satisfy you. So. All right. So I guess we're all going to go to McDonald's after this. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. McDonald's and gelato. Man, you have opened up um, just a whole w- world of possibility. Yeah, no dieting. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm here to preach at all. Excellent. Well, well, guys, thank you for coming on. Um, I think we've all learned a lot and look forward to uh, to learning more in the future and, and seeing what you guys are bringing to the industry. I mean, you guys, you guys are really, I mean, you, you guys are some young revolutionary professionals, <laughs> you know, and um, I'm, I'm super excited just to kind of, kind of think like, man, you know, the, the icons that you guys are going to be a decade from now. And, you know, it's, it's pretty exciting stuff. I like that energy. We'll put it out there. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for checking out the episode. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you learned a lot. And please feel free to reach out to these two amazing, amazing guests and reach out, use their skill sets to your advantage. On another note, we are officially in fall still and climbing weather is beautiful. It's definitely not as wet as it was a few months ago. So hope everyone's out there taking advantage, climbing safe. Again, as a recap, please feel free to check out hmfanchors.etsy.com. The climbing training board is, I think, just something that I really wanted to get out to the public because I believe in training. I believe making sure that we're, we are prepared prior to getting to the crag and making sure that we're getting all our skills ironed out. So whether or not you're practicing building anchors or practicing your other various mountaineering skills from the basics like a clove hitch or a munter hitch, cleaning anchors, 
just all those essential skills, especially if you're looking to go on multi-pitch journeys and start leading as a mountain leader and needing those mountaineering skills, doing it at home on something that replicates what you're going to see out there, I think is essential and it's going to keep us all safe as climbers. So yeah, check it out. Check it out. I think it's a good product. Then again, I might be a little bit biased since I make it right here in my workshop at home, but I still believe in it. All right, everyone. Hope you have a fantastic climbing week and I will see you on the next.